Welcome to True Crime Mysteries, the podcast that takes you deep into the heart of the world's most gripping true crime stories. I'm your host, Megan, and I've spent years researching, investigating, and seeking the truth in dark corners where most people dare not look. Each week, we'll delve into a new case, peeling back layers of mystery, law, and human behavior. Together, we'll explore the intricate webs woven by those who break society's most sacred laws. We'll cover cold cases, missing persons, and recently uncovered serial killers, and instances where DNA has identified a killer. Join us as we journey back in the past, bring decade-old cases to life, and explore the dark, tragic, and inexplicable. And maybe find a light of justice at the end of the tunnel. This is True Crime Mysteries. Today, we're discussing three more recently identified Jane and John Doe's and the mysteries surrounding their deaths. Let's get into it. Number three, Palm Beach Jane Doe. On June 16, 1974, two men were searching for driftwood in an area known as Burnt Bridges on A1A close to Singer Island, Palm Beach, Florida. As the two waded through the swampy mangrove, they noticed something in the distance. When they drew closer, they realized they'd come upon human bones that had been scattered thanks to animal activity. Two men called law enforcement, and the Palm Beach County Sheriff's Office took over, and an investigation was opened. As previously stated, most of the bones were scattered around the swamp. Investigators found that some of the bones had been bound with wire, and there was even evidence to suggest that the person had been tied up to a nearby tree prior to their death. The medical examiner completed an autopsy, but failed to uncover the exact cause of death. In the report, the medical examiner and forensic anthropologist determined that the remains belonged to a white female between the ages of 14 and 25, around 4 foot 11 to 5 foot 2, and 83 to 120 pounds, with strawberry blonde hair. Few conclusions could be drawn from the bones, as only partial remains were recovered. At the scene, investigators discovered a black knitted sweater that was littered with what they believed to be bullet holes. The medical examiner determined that this was a homicide and that the girl had likely endured a cruel death. The postmortem index determined that the time of death could have been anything from a few weeks to eight months, giving investigators even less to work with. Missing persons cases in the area were cross-referenced, but none matched these remains. In the absence of a name, she was dubbed the Palm Beach Jane Doe. Investigators quickly burnt through all lines of inquiry and hoped that her teeth might hold the key to her identity. One article noted that the Jane Doe's teeth had three filled cavities and three more in need of dental work. Despite this unique dental pattern, investigators again failed to find any matches. Years would pass without a word, and the Palm Beach Jane Doe case went cold. Whenever investigators had free time, they would glance over the case file, hoping to find that golden lead. Many decades later, the Palm Beach County Sheriff's Office reached out to Othram Incorporated and asked for their assistance in this case. Incredibly, Othram was able to extract and develop a DNA profile from the partial remains recovered in 1974. Othram Labs put out a press release and stated that their genealogists had found possible family members within months. 
From there, the Palm Beach County Police Department stepped in and spoke to these family members. Those who cooperated gave DNA samples. Weeks later, the results were in. Othram's genealogists had been correct. In June 2022, Othram and the Palm Beach County Police Department went public and announced the remains discovered in 1974 belonged to 15-year-old Suzanne Gale Poole. Suzanne, or Susan as she was also called, was born on February 12, 1957, and lived with her family at a trailer park in Fort Lauderdale. By 1972, Susan had dropped out of school and began living with her friends at Wilton Manor's apartment part-time. In December 1972, Susan dropped off the map and was never seen or heard from again. Her family discovered that she'd left all of her personal items at her friend's apartment. In late December 1972, her parents reported her missing. Two years later, Susan's remains would be discovered in the remote mangrove, and she remained unidentified for almost 50 years. By the time Othram had successfully identified her, her mother was in her late 90s and feared that she would never find out what happened to her daughter. The Palm Beach County Sheriff's Office believes that Susan was a victim of the infamous serial killer Gerard Schaefer, who had worked as a Wilton Manors police officer in late 1972 and later became a sheriff's deputy. Schaefer is known to have killed at least two girls in the area, but investigators believe that he is responsible for many more because he was in the possession of numerous personal items detectives believe were trophies from victims. He was convicted of murdering two girls by taking them out to the mangroves and tying them to trees. He died in prison in 1995. No physical evidence links Schaefer to Susan's murder, but detectives are investigating all angles. If anyone knew Susan in 1972, they're being asked to contact the Palm Beach County Sheriff's Detective, William Springer. They're looking for friends who might be familiar with Susan's personal effects to look through the items found in Schaefer's possession and hope someone can tie some of these items back to Susan. Ideally, they would like to speak to four of Susan's close friends, Greg Anderson, Keith Kiefer, Julie Hunt, and Michelle Williamson all from the Broward County, Florida, in 1972. If you have any information, you're asked to contact the Palm Beach County Sheriff's Office at 561-688-3000. Number 2. Dutchess County Jane Doe On March 20, 1980, officers with the New York State Police were called out to one of the most horrific scenes of their lives. Residents at the Hudson View apartment complex in Fishkill, New York, had noticed a strange travel trunk close to one of the apartment's dumpsters. Concerned, they contacted law enforcement, who arrived at the scene to find the body of a headless, handless woman inside. Her head and hands had been strategically removed to prevent identification. According to newspaper reports, the body had also been drained of blood, and the scene was noted to be clean. The Dutchess County Medical Examiner's Office believed that the remains belonged to a woman in her mid-twenties who was around 5'5", 140 pounds with dark brown hair. She had been completely nude in the trunk, and her body may have been cleaned before being placed inside. Unfortunately, the New York State Police would become accustomed to finding the decapitated bodies of women in New York and throughout the 1980s. It was a common discovery. Investigators didn't know where to start with this case. 
Without a head, it would be challenging to create a composite image of the victim. Missing persons reports were cross-referenced, but in most cases, nothing stood out, and the victim remained unidentified. The media took to calling her the Duchess Jane Doe and pushed for her identity to be discovered. The case quickly went cold, but it wasn't for lack of trying. The New York State Police and other agencies worked diligently to uncover her identity, but it proved impossible. In 2022, the FBI and the New York State Police partnered with Othram Labs to finally resolve this case. Her case had previously been added to NamUs, but these leads went nowhere. In May 2022, Othram isolated possible relatives of Duchess Jane Doe and alerted the New York State Police, along with the FBI, who were able to talk to these people and obtain a direct DNA sample. By May 26, 2022, the New York State Police announced that the remains had been identified as 44-year-old Anne L. Palpadaro Blake of New York City. Disturbingly, Anne had been reported missing two days before her body was discovered, May 18, 1980, and it is unclear why the two cases weren't connected. According to friends, Anne was last seen leaving the Vidal Sassoon Salon, where she worked on 168th 5th Avenue in Manhattan, at around 6 p.m. The trunk where Anne's body was discovered was tracked down to a woman named June Leaf, who told investigators that she had last used and seen the trunk in 1960, and after that, she'd lost track of it. Investigators are unaware of any possible connections between June and Anne. Anyone with information on Anne's murder is asked to contact the New York State Police at 845-677-7300, quoting case number 3020974. Number 1. Long Beach John Doe The story of a Long Beach John Doe is tragic from start to finish. At around 4.15 a.m. to 4.30 a.m. on June 3, 1978, the body of a teenage boy was found lying down on Division Street close to the intersection with Corona Street in Long Beach, California. Given his youthful look, those who discovered the body immediately knew he was a teenager. First responders arrived at the scene minutes later, and at first they believed that the boy was yet another victim of a drug overdose. However, when he arrived at the medical examiner's office, his body told another tale. He had been strangled before being callously thrown onto Division Road. The report detailed that he was between 5'7 and 5'11. He'd been found wearing a blue t-shirt, blue jeans, brown belt, and blue and white Red Wings running shoes. The word paid had been stamped on his hand, although the ink had faded significantly by the time he was discovered. Investigators believe that the paid stamp had possibly originated from a bar or club in the area. Medical examiner estimated that he was between 5 and 19 years old, although the lower end of the estimate was favored. In the days after his death, nobody came forward to claim him, and investigators took to calling him Long Beach John Doe. It was thought at the time that vicious serial killer Randy Kraft may have been responsible. Kraft operated just a mile from where John Doe was found, but Kraft was quickly ruled out as a suspect. The investigation into John Doe's identity and the identity of his killer continued, but the investigation went nowhere. The Long Beach Police Department never forgot about Long Beach John Doe and vowed to solve the case. 
And in 2022, Othram, the savior of cold cases and unidentified person cases, stepped in to help investigators solve this case once and for all. According to Othram, quote, Badly degraded and chemically damaged skeletal evidence was sent to Othram Labs in Woodland, Texas. The skeletal evidence had failed prior attempts, but Othram was able to develop a suitable DNA extract for testing. Once a DNA sample had been sequenced, genealogists were able to track down possible relatives of John Doe. In September 2022, the FBI, Othram, and local law enforcement held the press conference everyone had been waiting for. The Long Beach John Doe was finally identified as 15-year-old Kenneth Nevada Williams of La Puente, California. La Puente is just an hour away from Long Beach. Kenneth's family never reported him missing, and he was last seen in La Puente in 1978. His sister Roxanne Jones told ABC News that Kenneth ran away sometime in 1978. He was never reported missing because his family assumed he'd run away to start a new life. She told ABC, quote, He wanted to live in the city and go to clubs and have fun. He just, he wasn't into drugs or anything like that, but you know, bright lights, big city. Fox News reported that Kenneth had last attended the Fairgrove Academy School in October 1977, a year before he ran away. Investigators are now working to find the person who did this to Kenneth so that justice may be served. Anyone with information is asked to contact the Long Beach Police Department at 562-570-7246, quoting case number 1978-6979. Well, folks, we've reached the end of another gripping episode here on True Crime Mysteries. Thank you for joining me as we delve deep into the complexities of today's case. Before we go, let's not forget the human element in these stories. The victims, their families, and sometimes even the perpetrators are all part of a larger societal puzzle that we're trying to understand. While we explore these cases, it's crucial to remember the impact on real lives and communities. If you want to keep up with our weekly investigations, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you are captivated by these stories as we are, please take a moment to leave us a rating and review. Your support helps us bring more unsolved mysteries and untold stories to light. With that being said, stay curious, stay vigilant, and most importantly, stay safe. Until next week, good night.